0: This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today, we're speaking to Cody Wilson, the guy behind the 3D printed pistol. As you can imagine, he's very controversial. The media called him one of the most dangerous people in the world. Recently, he's been in trouble because he tried to put the schematics of the 3D printed gun back online, but was blocked by the US government. He has a lot of plans to battle that. And I think the whole situation raises some very interesting questions specifically around autonomous gun ownership and around modern warfare as well, because, you know, 3D printed guns, it doesn't get more modern than that. This podcast is entirely independent, so if you want to support Popular Front, go to patreon.com slash popularfront. You will get bonus episodes, narrated articles, video content, and sometimes even merchandise. So I think, Cody, first of all, it would be really good if you could explain what does Defence Distributed do and why did you decide to push so hard with this 3D printed gun project?
1: We're, a, you could say, a non-profit defence technology company. That makes it seem both like uh, more banal and more impossibly corporate than it is. But really, the mission is to develop software and hardware for the public for their consumption directly, but under defence technological terms. So usually, like, there's contractors of the government and they develop this type of technology. The expectation is that they'll only share it with states. And, of course, in our case, we develop it and, and directly disclose it into the public domain or the commons or use open-source licenses of some kind. And we develop in environments of open-source technology like uh, microcontrollers like the Arduino and, and other open-source software. So we're, we're part of the panoply of open-source technologies. Of course, our development is specifically in the defense
0: uh, area. Right. And the Liberator, the, the 3D plastic printed gun, which has caused so much trouble and caused a headache for you massively. What's the idea behind that? Because, you know, there's a lot of controversy. A lot of people are saying this guy wants to give a gun to everybody. They're going to run on airplanes and shoot people up. What's the deal?
1: I mean, I suppose it's possible that they could bring it on airplanes. We've, we've been living in a world, though, since, I don't know, 2013, May 2013, where it's possible to make this gun and uh, you know the TSA admits that they found parts of the gun in screenings and stuff so I mean you know this is all plausible stuff but it it continues to I think be an outlier event and, and not a strong possibility because there are, look it's not a very reliable gun in the case of our gun the Liberator uh, and of course the technology itself is still in a place of nascence and you know like really unusability the materials just aren't there it's what's really evocative and powerful for me and I suppose as a way of answering the second part of your first question, why we were so committed to it and fascinated by it is because we think it displays or demonstrates the future of digital manufacture and its necessary political consequences, specifically for something like, in American politics, the Second Amendment. And Internet and digital fabrication technologies enable a permanent Second Amendment. And, of course, uh, since the Internet is not just domestic, um, this affects other states as well.
0: Right, and as a Brit... I don't really get the whole uh you know the second amendment why is it such a big um situation in America that you would build this plastic gun because you know people are saying oh it's a 3D printed gun anyone can get it but you can get a much more reliable uh fireable zip gun you know like I'm very interested in zip guns you can build your own shotgun basically with like metal pipes and welding why is the liberator creating so much fuss
1: uh I think it's a great question and part of the answer is is why I like doing press with, you know, with the UK, um, because a lot of our ideas and our, our philosophical antecedents are all, of course, English. <laughs> and, and, of course, our Republican founding in this country and the basis of our Second Amendment comes from an English Republican controversy, you know, and all this, this, this strange political radicalism of the, of the 17th and 18th century uh, in England. Um, so it is what it is, we've diverged, and now it's an, uh, an elementary part of being British to, to not want to own a gun, I understand that. But in the United States, the, the kind of two political debates that really get people to their feet uh, are abortion and the right to keep and bear arms. And I know that, and my first instinct before any of this other political dross was that if I could use the internet to perform a kind of WikiLeaks for guns, that that would be so much more powerful and evocative for people, than I don't know a bill, you know, passed by the Senate or something protecting your right to carry a gun. You know, it's very dry and academic. Um, so, one, I think for people, it's it's their relationship to technology. Like, why is, is the liberator so outrageous? It's because people's relationship to technology is one of religious dependence and mystical enthrallment, if you will. Like, uh, like, like Heidegger says, like we, you don't really understand your institutions and devices and the technologies around you you kind of live more at the pleasure of the technologist in this day and age and this is this evidences our anxiety with big tech and all this other stuff and so I, I knew that if I could take a technology that, like 3D printing that was as yet undefined in the public conscious, uh, consciousness and you could do something with it that wasn't really destined for technology in, in liberal societies, <laughs> that it would cause a deep problem like a, a dissonant right like a, a real dislocation and uh these were just my initial instincts and I, I just pursued them ever since
0: right so i mean to me it sounds like correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like the idea of the liberator is more important than the liberator than the item itself to you at least it,
1: it is and I, this is what's so great about doing a, a podcast like yours i love to call attention to the work of philip loody um who was who was, uh, an englishman and philip loody basically had the entire uh i don't know discourse of defense distributed already perfected and honed it's you can still find it at uh thehomegunsmith.com and he yeah sure he'll teach you how to do zip guns and he has a little manual on how to make a little sub gun but what's more important than that is that he couched it in terms of the freedom of speech and a, a certain kind of british nationalism and he published the 3d files to download and be able to reproduce this sub gun he did all of this i think before the year 2011
0: yeah, he did. For listeners that don't know, Philip Luddy was um, yeah, basically doing what you were doing. He was a British guy that said, we should have guns. This is outrageous that we don't have guns because if the government... And the soldiers and what have you have weapons. Why shouldn't the people have them? A very kind of American outlook, I guess, for Brits. And yeah, like you said, he was putting up plans. I've actually got some of the plans because I was interested in doing a film about him. But he built sure. this kind of metal gun uh, that you could build in your shed, essentially, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, the simple like uh, design off of, uh, off-the-shelf of off components. Um, very intelligent, right? Built on expediency and commercial availability. You know, they'll, they'll never be able to make certain lengths of pipe and spring. Uh, difficult to acquire, you know, so his instincts are correct. But I, I'll again emphasize that, yeah, maybe he had a more Second Amendment, like Americanist, like outlook about the right to keep and bear arms, but he was very careful to display everything in terms of the freedom of speech, which again, like we owe to the history of, of the English common law uh, more than anything else.
0: Yeah, I think he had like a very, you know, libertarian and even a slightly kind of anarchist, maybe not anarchist as the concept, but you know, like anarchy as, you know, younger would call it. He had that kind of mindset, I think. Unfortunately, it got him arrested. Uh, He was in big trouble.
1: Yeah, I can imagine you'd get arrested a lot doing what he did. Very brave man. I believe he was chased to his grave with health problems and stuff from having to, to live through these stressful encounters with his state. But he showed me especially early in my project. I discovered him very, very early, like in 2012. And uh, he showed me that like, that's, that's the wages for that kind of work. And I thought that he was a brave man and that I, I know ultimately, even I will, will face consequences like that.
0: Not that oh, I want okay. to. Let's talk about that, Cody, because you are facing a lot of consequences right now. What's happened?
1: Well, look, I get sued. I'm getting sued a lot. Like 20 of the United States are suing me in one federal court or another at, at the current moment. In this country. Now what's great is under federal practice uh, and by the civil rules of procedure they don't really have good claims. In fact in some cases even in this case in Washington they don't have claims. Uh, States don't get to make opinions or get judges to review decisions of the State Department for example. This will all be sorted out I hope in time but I think what's more worrying is that you know in the meantime for years judges and states and state courts are willing to make as much bad law as possible to avoid certain outcomes political outcomes in this case well we can't just let people download plans for guns
0: (laughs) you know opinions on guns aside they say you know okay you can't download these uh, schematics for the guns but you can have AR-15 open carry in certain states well I
1: believe that I mean it's flattering in a way it's because like for years I've represented this fight in the same symbolic terms where I'm like hey uh, gun control is (laughs) dead and mostly the discourse like ignores me you know but but finally i got this license from the state department to publish and again i say uh hey uh pretty sure gun control's dead and this time the states were like oh motherfucker <laughs> like, he's trying to kill gun control so so they run to court you know they they accept the debate on my terms so to some degree i'm getting what i asked for um now can they you know can they lash to see can they get some judge to Right, is is there ever some state of the law which will prevent these files from being online, making it online? I think we both know the answer to that is no. But in the meantime, they can burn a ton of my money and time. And I guess that's now the strategy.
0: Right, hoping you give up. Or just go bankrupt or something. Um I think I had the files for the Liberator just out of interest about two years ago on my laptop, you know. It's all already out there.
1: Oh of course, and on major CAD sites and stuff, like this judge's order today, he's like, Look, you know, maybe some this is, these are his words. Maybe some cybernaut with a BitTorrent can somehow find these files. <laughs> like it's, right, that, download the Liberator on
0: Kazar. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, like you got to like search the old Nutella network on satellite feed. and Maybe you can discover a Liberator there. No, we all know it's everywhere. It's on all the CAD sites. It's on all the major CAD sites and in the ClearNet. And of course now, since I've been attacked again, a number of activists have, have hosted the files as well. And these links are in the press. So it's very easy to find them. Uh, there's no harm that you can prevent from telling me to not talk about it. It's, it's all out there. And, of course, a month one month ago this, this day, I republished all the files according to my license from the State Department. So you have, you have to bend over backwards to pretend that there's any way to prevent this information from being there. And, in fact, the perversity of it, and you understand this with Streisand effect and stuff, to, to have challenged it this way, that the way the states did, and to have made orders like this judge made, is to only make the files more popular. And to spread them deeper into the internet
0: right because if you can't have something people want it i think that's why i downloaded it years ago even you know i was just like cool i want to see what this is all about you know
1: of course that's that's what everyone's story is to me very few people have ever made the liberator or taken interest in making it and it's it's fascination for people is that you know it's this accursed object <laughs> and yeah. and frankly that's that's my own relationship with it uh i f- i find there to be little of interest in its design and in its in its mechanism like it's It's a curiosity but like when i look at it it resonates with a certain you know cultural power
0: (laughs) with that in mind maybe you can take us through like a step by step if i had the cad files then what do you have to do to actually have this liberator in your hand and be able to fire it
1: yeah it's um it's a little involved um i would say depending upon the build volume of your 3d printer well one you have to have a 3d printer and then two it uh, you'll, you'll need to print in a specific material, like the Liberator was designed for ABS uh, printable materials, not for nylon, not for PLA, and these, are, these other materials are becoming more common and commercial, but it was designed for ABS. Um, so you would, you would select of the different files that come in the packet, um, there's about 16 essential files that you need, and you'll need to make every single one of these components. You can make many of them in parallel, but there's just so many that it will probably take you a couple different builds just to make every single component. And then after that, just as the way 3D printing works, you'll have to, you know, there's a, n- a number of manual steps involved. You'll have to remove support material. you probably have to clean some stuff up for fitment, you know, sand some things down. Uh, but eventually, when you have every component, you can uh, manually assemble it and function check it. Like, even the springs are printed. But you'll need to add a roofing nail, and you'll, and depending upon the U.S. law, uh, well, you'd, you'd be in the U.K. if you are making this hypothetically, so it's illegal already. But under U.S. law, you'd need to go ahead and add Uh, a steel component that we've defined just to make it legal to possess um and then you have to treat the barrel and this takes a little bit of time and some finesse there's kind of an art to it there's nothing really you have to you have to vaporize acetone and this acetone vapor actually smooths the the layers like uh in 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 fused deposition modeling printing there's actually uh layer differences between every you know like uh, plane as you print something like you often print the, you're, you're supposed to print the liberator barrel vertically uh, when you do that that means there's ridges in, in the bore and there's ridges throughout the barrel because 3d printing is this layer by layer process so if you don't actually smooth the exterior and the bore of the barrel through uh, acetone vapor uh, you your coefficient of friction is too great inside the barrel of the liberator and you can
0: blow your hand off if you fired it
1: yeah I'd, i've never seen that, and I've fired it many times by hand, and of course it's blown up in my hand a few times, but you will break the barrel and the gun won't won't fire successfully, and then you'll damage the front of the frame so yeah exactly like it's it's very dangerous to make the gun, but you have to treat that barrel correctly uh, if, you, uh, if you have a chance of shooting it uh, <laughs> the way a gun cool. is expected to be shot so there's a number of like little uh, steps like that, and then you know once you have that you still, the way the spring action works and the way the... You're, you're, you're relying upon a roofing nail to hit a primer in the back of a 380 cartridge. That doesn't always work. <laughs> so even then, when you get that far, I'd still say you've only got like a 50 or 60% chance of a, a successful fire.
0: Aren't you just trying to cause trouble? Like, it sounds like you're just <laughs> trying to cause trouble with this thing.
1: Of course. Like, of course I'm causing trouble. But like, I'm I'm causing trouble in like a necessary way. And not because I think, oh, like my... I should superintend the political debate. But because i think this is the brass ring of uh system failure uh of a a certain like political philosophical resolution um in 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 the digital era like you if if code is going to be everything and if code is still protected as speech in this country then we're going to have this fight now over guns while the court favors us rather than 20 years from now when it doesn't you know i'm i'm choosing to have this fight this way on my terms now because uh I don't see a possibility of things getting much better so it's i have an activist intent
0: sure you see it as an impin- uh, an infringement on your rights i guess uh, uh you know as, as a sovereign person essentially for them to stop this
1: yeah like, like that's fair i mean i don't actually cling to my quote unquote rights in my actual whatever discourse but like i'm happy to go into court and argue that you know by the liberal terms of this republic here you have a right if you have a right to keep and bear arms and you have a right to make them you have a right to talk about making them. So it's all, it's all pretty related, and I could see how we could win. Now, I'm not, like, a fool about it. I, I never really thought I would win. Not because, like, uh, I thought we had bad arguments. Under the law, we have perfect arguments. But because, you know, judges are human beings, too, and they want to avoid political controversy. and So I've always tried to avoid bad outcomes. But look, if the states are going to come into court like this, I, I'm going to take them head on. And we'll create a number of embarrassments. And this is where like the crypto anarchy comes in. I kind of hope to some degree that the states are able to implement some type of weird new era of public nuisance where like uh, they can begin to attack websites hosted in other states. And this is the kind of state of conflict that I think is necessary to, to pull people into the post liberal, you know, meta order.
0: It's almost like uh, an accelerationism.
1: Yeah, if you will. Now I'm, I'm trying not to be nihilist about it. I just think this is this is a bridge. I see a bridge to Post-liberal activism, post-liberal politics, people who are on the fence just kind of waiting for like, you know, what's after this? Well, we, we can begin to see some light through the, uh, the fence posts or something, you know, like this. It's here and it, it relies on them breaking up your Internet. It relies on it, regardless of the outcome. Right. You, we, I think we both understand that even when 3D printed guns are illegal in every jurisdiction in the world, that they will still be a, a healthy technology that, that people will participate in
0: well yeah it's, it's one of the few things that the state can't get hold of right no matter what laws they put in place that's
1: right i, I think the internet's the same way and, and though i see like i don't see this as binary like i don't somehow see like well one day we'll all be free because of the internet like i see google building what they're doing in china and taking AI, ai projects on like i understand the enormous enormous challenge and of course facebook and these other groups they haven't waited for me to win or lose in court facebook's just decided you can't share links to this type of content on its platform and. You know, Amazon's dropped the books that people have published with the code. Um, there's a number of like uh, big tech pushes that have already moved to, to remove this stuff from, uh, I don't know, from your field of view or from your feed, but uh, the Internet's a big place.
0: What it's actually doing then is just creating more censorship.
1: Yeah, it is, it is, but I hope to some degree it's, it's radicalizing people. Uh, it's difficult to maintain a liberal disposition it's difficult to every week say well it's okay that facebook did this to me it's okay you know There are private company it's, it becomes more and more difficult every week to repeat the mantras and eventually uh, you know it depends on your own disposition but eventually that will fail for you too and i'm happy to be a part of that
0: yeah do you know what that uh, this is an odd thing i'm going to say but what what you just said that reminds me of this thing i was thinking about myself the other day where when i was younger Um, I was reading about, they're saying, oh, there's going to be this new technology where you you scan your fingerprint to unlock your phone. And I remember being young and thinking, that's absolutely outrageous. I will never, ever do that. Now, we all, without even thinking, hand over our fingerprints to private companies. Now, I don't want to sound like, you know, conspiracy kook or get too political, but that is outrageous. However, it's not. It's completely normal now.
1: Uh, Oh, I agree. And and though I've I've still never used that technology, I can see how every single day just my you know walking in public right uh, i'm submitting to biometric scanning of course the the better example now is we've we've jumped a shark on the fingerprint now you you literally use your facial biometrics to unlock your iphone 10 i mean you've you've given them everything right and uh i,
0: I saw someone doing that yesterday literally yesterday and i was just like we live in i don't know like a philip k dick novel you know
1: it shows that the uh,
0: it shows that the native americans are right i mean you know the device does steal your soul <laughs> like, <laughs> i want to talk about the ghost gunner too as well because that's something i you know i've read about it we spoke about it i find it hard to get my head around it what what is the ghost gunner
1: and over here it's it's uh, well fine i'll just define it it's uh, it's a micro cnc it's like a desktop uh, milling machine and it's in the vein of similar devices to, to 3D printers. We use the same type of motion um and ball screws and, and coordinate systems and stuff that three D printers use. But the the digital controller and the software is based more on older software, which is about G code and, and NC code, which are like the, the fundamentals of, of how you do machining in the industrial like the post war industrial setups. It's just that now, because of the digital revolution, you can afford You know a smaller package you can get a a type of mill that isn't thirty thousand dollars it's it's two grand you know and and it allows you to do things that a mill can do just in a very tight envelope why why would people care about a little mill well you know the application that we sell is is really what's of interest to people and that's finishing firearms components uh, under your own power in your own home with your own capital when you do that under american law there's no requirement to serialize the gun. There's no requirement to report it to any authority. It's always been this way. The, um, the traditional, quote-unquote, I'm saying that because this judge's order today was accusing me of defeating the traditional method of gun regulations. Well, unfortunately, that traditional method hasn't existed since, uh, has only existed since 1968. And it's a regulation upon commercial dealers and manufacturers of firearms. Not, not of individuals. You've always been allowed to make a gun in this country. It's simply that the urban centers uh, never knew this or forgot. Um, I knew. I know at one point they did because all the great American manufacturing concerns have at one point or another <laughs> run through run through firearms. Uh, Connecticut and you know Massachusetts. They, they, uh, they've all they've all given birth to great uh, firearms brands like Remington and, and Colt, and Springfield Armory, and everything. So um, all these were just a bunch of dudes who used to make gun parts, you know, and uh, that's always been legal in this country to do that. But people have forgotten this or people are just now acclimating themselves to it. So the way the, the, way the kind of law works on it right now is if you have a, you can have an 80, what's called an 80% firearm. It's almost all the way machined. It, it looks almost recognizably like a firearm depending upon the, the type we're talking about. But under the law, it's still considered not to be one. Because there's just some kind of abstract point at which you can machine enough on a block of metal where the, the ATF doesn't yet consider it to be a firearm and if you finish that component on your own power um, without paying anyone else to do it then you've taken it to 100% but there is no requirement to get a license and there's no requirement to serialize
0: right so that's where the it is a ghost gun yeah oh what a beautiful term
1: uh, I remember where I was when I. No, no, it wasn't my term. I, I remember I, I saw Kevin De Leon say that he's a, a, senator in California. I saw him say that in a press conference for the first time, and I thought, my God, that's incredible. Trademark it. Uh, exactly. Me and three other guys were fighting for GhostGuns.com, and you know, you all had a, the gun. The gun industry has this attitude, especially when it comes to California. As soon as they implement something, you know, it's a business opportunity to create like a new type of. Uh, a route around what they've what they've demanded, or a new type of accessory that somehow makes the gun compliant. You know, California has banned the AR-15 from popular possession since 1997. And yet, uh, there are the most AR-15s in current possession in California because people keep coming up with ways to defeat <laughs> the regulations. And that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, to some degree, but this is actually somewhat larger in scope, which is that there is no regulation to defeat. Uh, it's simply about making it easier uh, to go ahead and make a gun of military specification under your own power and to circumvent, you could say, the entire network, uh, the entire assumed network of gun control in the first place. So, you know, maybe you want to go to the gun store and buy your AR-15, but you don't want anyone to know about it. Like, uh, and of course, this could be for legal or illegal reasons. Um, if you know, then you have a certain capacity to make it for yourself uh, and assemble it for yourself without ever touching any of the tables of power. That's, that's interesting.
0: Right, it is interesting, and you know, you know, I, my thinking is: I know what you're saying. It's like, well, we should have our own means to protect ourselves from the state. Should shit ever go wrong, whatever. But I think most people look at it and say, "Wow, you're just going to give every single criminal a gun without a serial number, and they're going to kill someone, and we're never going to find them." Um, you know, what's your response to that?
1: I think this is possible. Of course, this is possible. I, I certainly consider the possibility. Also understand that I've run this business, this particular business, for many years, um, and so in in that time I've had the occasion to participate in many ATF special investigations, Homeland Security investigations. You know, I've been subpoenaed by U.S. attorneys in different states related to oh, you name it, right? Like uh, they'll they'll find the ghost gunner somewhere. You know, <laughs> so this is not like just abstract. I certainly understand that uh, the criminal element might take an interest in this, or. That just in general, your interest in building guns like this coincides with your interest in doing all kinds of other things outside of the government's observation. So you find uh, strange bedfellows, or you, you could say, like, <laughs> the kind of bedfellows you might expect. Um, still, I'll say, though, that this is a completely legal activity, and, and as yet, like, there's never, been, uh, there's never been the use of one of our guns on one of these machines uh, in the commission of a crime. So these are also empirical questions
0: so what's next for for defense distributed and yourself how are you going to progress with this are you going to keep fighting it or what
1: oh of course man I, I don't consent to the judgments of uh of little men <laughs> i'm uh what's great about this is like yeah we'll, well we lose for years uh because i can't control the process but we always outlawyer them you know I, I have the best i have the best attorneys in the game at this point we're we're very well seasoned we've built quite a machine for defeating these people it's just uh, you know you lose at the district and state court levels because you know they're hacks they're they're political they don't want to be responsible for bad decisions and you have to leave it up to the appellate judges who basically are insulated from social criticism so it's it's always a long term endeavor I'm at this point I'm not even perturbed I was completely expecting the ruling we got today and I expect to be frustrated in, in other courts as well but ultimately I still have a license from the federal government to publish this stuff the DOJ is now my co defendant in many of these actions I mean. Uh, this is an uphill battle for our enemy. Uh, this is literally like an anarchist being backed up by the State Department and federal court, you know.
0: Who are your allies here? Because I know that, you know, right now in America, some very, very kind of contentious political situations going on where, you know, everybody is literally Hitler or they're, you know, <laughs> or they're, you know, or there's some kind of other form on the other side of some terrible, terrible stuff. Um, but who are your allies, you know? Because I've heard people kind of. Be like oh yeah Cody's
1: all right I've always argued from principle I've always argued from a set of easily discernible and identifiable uh, political premises um, you know even I am like after the summer of hate you know I was exposed to younger as well I've, I've been exposed to some of the kind of rightward drift uh, of of our movement and anarchy and the Liberty movement in general and I certainly understand the accusation that like uh, oh I'm all right I, I helped the alt right quite a bit in 16 and 17 I even had a platform for them for some time in 2017 when they were getting kicked off of all these, but of course none of that lasted long. Still, I felt like it was very important in that moment in the internet for me to, for me to, to demonstrate that commitment. And I'm pleased that I did. I learned a number of things in doing it, but no, I, you know, everyone on the alt-right knows that I don't identify that way. I'm not particularly, uh, (laughs) I'm not a statist (laughs) and I'm certainly not a socialist, although, um. You know, I I find when we have common cause, it's when the entirety of like, I don't know, the socialist project or the social justice project just becomes subsumed under this idea of, well, everything is hate speech, you know, and like uh, even 3D printed guns. And, you know, the entirety of the project becomes about censorship at some point. And I know that these aren't really well-defined remarks, but my instinct is that I, I have to be there for these communities and I have to be there online to push for as much... Replatforming and rerouting around all this monumental effort of censorship online right now because that's that's just the fight. And if I can't protect them, I can't protect myself.
0: Are you, are you familiar with like uh, post-leftism, like Max Stirner and people like that? Yes.
1: I would say, right. Of course, Sterner is post-left before there was post-left. But exactly. Yeah, I've, I've done a number of post-left readers, and that's that's really my my earlier stuff, like in in thirteen and fourteen. That's really where I was now that i find that there's equally fruitful stuff you know uh, from the right you could call it the post right if you will but but my my point of view is post left that's always where i've that's what i i've come out of I, like i'm still from critical theory my playbook is still jean Baudrillard and, and the post-marxist you know like theorists of the event
0: oh you want about like call it sleep and things like that
1: yeah of course of course like my entire playbook is like uh the late Baudrillard, the lucidity pack and fatal strategy and like that's just what I am and what I do but I've found like this this pollination with uh with the right to be useful right now because the left is the left is in a total I don't know uh it's in this sentimental phase is what it is and it's returning upon itself with I don't know it's uh it's just incestuous and sentimental and and worse it's it's atrophied beyond any point of of usefulness so post-left is a great way to begin to think about how to continue to carry on the aims of of liberation and of the escape from the state which is which is like an objective of the left it's i swear (laughs) i i promise like uh,
0: the state is supposed to be sublated no no just just accept accept your subservience and shut up basically um cody is there anything else you want to say i don't want to keep you too long i know you're very busy guys there anything you want to uh you want to talk about before we uh, kind of wrap this up nah man this is
1: fun it's i it's always been a pleasure you know to see what you're up to and uh, i'm happy that we could uh, do something together
0: yeah absolutely and like i said before this a lot of people told me not to speak to you which i think is absolutely outrageous you know i i don't think it matters <laughs> the situation is this you know this is a podcast about warfare uh modern warfare and it's about as modern as it gets with 3d printed guns let's be honest
1: well look it's it's not just 3d printed guns it's What's at stake here is a, is a question of the technical data related to all Category 1, 2, and 3 munitions as defined by the State Department. We're talking about the 3D design information for all small arms. That's what's at stake in this controversy, and that's what really brought 20 states into federal court, because this is the ball game for small arms in the Internet. All right, so there's there's no better uh, subject for your podcast, Jake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where can um, where can people get hold of you, Cody, and you know keep up to date with your work?
1: i uh, are running a fundraiser at defcad.com, and tomorrow I'll have something pretty interesting along those lines. We uh, we continue the fight. What's going on tomorrow? Tomorrow I commence Operation Integral Accident. Uh, I've been planning this for some time. I knew I wouldn't get relief in the Washington court, but I I always try to demonstrate my reserve.
0: Integral Accident. What on earth is that? Well, you'll see, won't you? Um,
1: <laughs> now, nah, here's what we're going to do. You know, the whole thing is everyone's going to congratulate themselves today for stopping people from getting access to these files. As we've already discussed in this podcast, uh, that didn't happen, and you can go download them anywhere you want. Uh, but worse, uh, now your First Amendment's been deprecated, and tomorrow I'll just begin selling the files and uh, shipping them nationwide to anyone who wants them at a name-your-own-price kind of scheme. Uh, so the flood continues. The disaster is here. The harm is here. The only thing that's suffered in the meantime is uh, the rule of law and the First Amendment. And they call me an anarchist.
0: Wait, so you're going to start selling the files, the 3D printed gun files?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm going to start selling them tomorrow
0: You're going to get in trouble.
1: <laughs> oh, I promise you. I promise you I will. But at the same time, uh, it will be very, very difficult to stop me.
0: Good luck. Thank you very much for that.
1: All right, we'll see you.
0: That was Cody Wilson talking about the 3D printed gun, crypto anarchy, and the trouble he's about to get himself in very soon. This episode was sponsored by DefensePost.com. I did an interview with them recently about why I started Popular Front. If you're interested, go to TheDefensePost.com, defense with an S. If you want to support Popular Front, go to Patreon.com slash You get bonus episodes, merchandise sometimes, video content, narrated articles. You can get in the new Discord server that we've started up now as well, which is quite a laugh. Uh, Yeah, so patreon.com slash popularfront. Also, if you don't want to do it monthly, I've set it up now that you can do one-off donations to help support the podcast, help it grow. Go to popularfront.co. You can donate there via PayPal or if you like, I've set up a Bitcoin wallet so you can send us Bitcoin instead. All the details are there, popularfront.co. To keep up to date with the podcast, follow me on Twitter. That's Jake underscore Hanrahan, H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N or popularfront.co. So at popularfront.co like the website. Also, we're on Instagram now as well, which you can see kind of new video content that we're working on. So go to instagram.com slash popular And please remember to follow us on YouTube if you want to see the documentary that we've got coming up soon. That is youtube.com slash popular front. Thank you very much to the $30 Patreons because without you, this podcast would fall on its ass, and I wouldn't be able to pay for it all. They are Stephen R.D. Henderson, Ryan Sandercock, Cole Gannon, Joel Tambusi, LH, Kjetil, Zachary Hinch, Aliame Leroy, Daniel Shearer, Joanne Stocker, Margaret Bowling and Teddy. Like I said, if you want to get involved with supporting Popular Front, we're completely independent. Go to patreon.com slash popularfront. Hopefully, it will keep it going for longer music in this episode the intro was by home and the outro is by son of old soundcloud.com slash son dash of dash old quite a few people recently have been asking me um all about the music that we use um synthwave vaporwave is kind of what i like to use with the podcast i think it kind of fits the whole aesthetic if you want to get in touch about the podcast about advertising anything like that uh email me at popularfrontpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com